This is Nuclear Explained. Welcome to Nuclear Explained. In this episode, we are taking another look at nuclear's role in the health field, particularly in the fight against cancer. I'm your host, Joanne Liu. And I'm Ayhan Evrensel. Cancer is the second leading cause of death, taking the lives of 10 million people every year. The global cancer epidemic is projected to only get worse, burdening individuals, their families, and our societies. But it is not all gloom and doom. In this global epidemic, science and technologies, including nuclear, are putting up a remarkable fight. Many cancer deaths can be, and have been, averted through early detection and treatment that rely on radiation. In this episode, you will learn about nuclear applications to diagnose and treat cancer. You will also learn how organizations like the IAEA and the WHO are helping to increase access to cancer care. To begin, I invited Lisa Stevens to explain how countries lessen the cancer burden with comprehensive cancer control. Comprehensive cancer control, in a sense, is a philosophy. Lisa is the director of the Program of Action for Cancer Therapy at the IAEA. And it's applied and and utilized, and it becomes very real in a country through the development of a national cancer control plan. And so it really starts with prevention. It includes early detection, screening, diagnosis, treatment, palliative care, and survivorship. And all of this includes um, surveillance so that uh, ministries of health will understand the population of, of individuals that are in the various stages within the cancer control continuum. And we talk about it in this comprehensive way because strengthening only one aspect of the cancer system and neglecting others or focusing on them at a different time is not actually going to achieve the outcomes that the ministries of health are looking for. And so that's why we approach this even from the agency where our technical mandate is in nuclear medicine and radiotherapy in the cancer space. We talk about this within the entire cancer system because we need to make sure that there are linkages across the continuum. How does nuclear contribute? What kind of role does it play throughout this cancer control continuum? We have very defined technical roles. Um, I mentioned nuclear medicine and radiology. That is important for both um, diagnosis and monitoring of treatment. Radiotherapy is important both in curative treatment and also in palliation of symptoms. And so the contribution of the agency is really in that diagnosis and treatment aspect. And again, in combination with surgery, medicines, pathology, preventive aspects, which brings in the the comprehensive nature of the approach to cancer control. And what are the benefits of using and applying these nuclear science, nuclear technologies throughout cancer control? So if I can focus specifically on radiotherapy, Globally, about 50% of patients with cancer are indicated to receive radiotherapy at some course in their treatment. It depends on the type of cancer and it depends on the location. It also depends on the stage of cancer. In low and middle income countries where there's often a late diagnosis, the percentage of patients needing radiotherapy, both for curative but also in palliative settings, can increase. And so radiotherapy is an important component of comprehensive treatment, again, in combination with medicine as well as surgery. Cancer diagnosis and treatment, is that possible without using nuclear tools and techniques? 
It could be possible. It depends on the type of cancer. Again, um, I mentioned radiotherapy as a component of treatment. There are certain types of cancer where radiotherapy would not be indicated. But again, it depends on the diagnosis and the stage. And so having the option and the ability to access radiotherapy as a cancer patient could be important and could be life-saving. Also, in terms of diagnosis, there are ways to diagnose cancer that are not related to uh, nuclear medicine or imaging techniques. However, imaging is important in terms of some diagnoses. For example, if you think about mammography um, for breast cancer screening and detection, um, that's a, a radiology application. So it's important that for the entire scope of cancer in a country, that there is the possibility to access these types of, of nuclear applications that can be life-saving. You're listening to Nuclear Explained. Tackling the burden of cancer is complex. It requires preventive, diagnostic, and therapeutic services, all of which nuclear science plays a role. In this next interview, we will go into more detail about nuclear medicine and nuclear applications in cancer management. Uh, my name is Carlos Alberto Bushpillo. I'm a full professor of the Department of Radiology and Oncology of St. Paul University Medical School, and I'm director of the Nuclear Medicine Molecular Imaging Division of the General Hospital that belongs to the University of St. Paul. How do you define nuclear medicine? Nuclear medicine is a specialty that uses radiopharmaceuticals or radionuclides for diagnostic, for tracking different diseases inside the body, and also at the same time, to treat certain diseases, especially oncological diseases. So nuclear medicine is a combination of diagnostic and therapeutical specialty that use radiopharmaceuticals to track different cancers. What are radionuclides and radiopharmaceuticals, and how do they work? Radiopharmaceuticals are a special class of drugs. They include diagnostic agents such as molecular imaging probes and that also these agents can be used to treat diseases. Normally, the radiopharmaceutical contains a radioactive isotope that emits energy, which can be detected or used to provide an imaging diagnostic or directly therapeutic without the disease tissue. When you have radionuclide that is not really specific or can be directed to a certain type of tissue or tumor, we can link this radionuclide to a different compound that is called a drug. And by injection, this combination of drug with radionuclide, we can direct the radionuclide directly to the tumor, and then we can track through the imaging or really use a different isotope to treat the tumor. Diagnostic imaging is one of the first steps in the clinical management of cancer, but can you explain exactly what is imaging in this sense? We have imaging tools that can provide structural information regarding the different tissues and organs, such as size, uh, such as morphology, the form, and also the density, x-rays, CT scans, MRs, and ultrasound can give us precise information about the structure of information. And we have other imaging methods that can provide functional and biochemical and molecular information. Why is so important? Because you know that 
some cancers can be generated through molecular transformation or molecular abnormalities that can uh, really produce the cancer generation. And nuclear medicine can really track these changes very early in the process of the cancer formation. And so we can divide the imaging into major uh, groups, structural imaging and functional and molecular imaging. We hear these acronyms, CT scan, um, PET, CT, what do they actually mean? CT scan is computed tomography. It's a equipment that can provide producer x-rays and it can produce different slides of the segment of the body, for example, of the lung, of, of the chest, of the abdomen, and can provide cross-sectional imaging. PET-CT is a positron emission tomography, or PET-MR, that is a molecular imaging that is based on the radio pharmaceuticals that are leaking to positron substances that emit positrons. This is a positive electron in a very simple way. What are the differences um, between these nuclear techniques and tools versus other non-nuclear tools? One of the major advantages of the all these imaging tools, especially also molecular imaging, is viscose completely non-invasive. There is no adverse reaction or any kind of allergy. It is a very safe procedure. And another thing that is very important uh, for the general public to understand, we use very small amount of radiation, enough to really provide good quality of images. We have a digital equipment right now, and it can reduce the activity of these radiopharmaceuticals and radionuclides to be injected into the patient. So you are reducing the amount of radiation in introducing to the patients that are enough to provide good quality of images and you don't produce any harmful effect at all. You're listening to Nuclear Explained. In the cancer control continuum, after detecting and diagnosing comes treatment. About half of all cancer patients need radiotherapy. Listen to our previous episode on radiotherapy to learn how this form of nuclear-based therapy works. Radiotherapy is highly effective and efficient in treating cancers. But many people in low- and middle-income countries lack access to this life-saving diagnostic and treatment option. In Africa, for example, over 70% of the population does not have access to radiotherapy. In 2022, the IAEA launched an initiative called Rays of Hope to address this shortfall. More than 50 countries have expressed interest in Rays of Hope, and the IAEA is already assessing and acting on the needs of seven countries, including Kenya. In this last segment, we'll learn about cancer care in Kenya and how the country plans to improve and sustain access to diagnostics and treatment services. My name is Dr. Mary Nyangasi. I'm serving as the head of the National Cancer Control Program at the Ministry of Health in Kenya. Mary, describe us the cancer situation in Kenya in general. In Kenya, we have a population of about 53 million. We have an incidence, uh, as per the Global Can statistics, of about 42,116 new cancer cases every year and about 27,000 deaths every year. Up to a quarter of our cancer cases are actually breast and cervical cancer. We see that um, we are probably dealing with a higher uh, burden of disease than what is estimated. 
And uh, we are in the process actually of establishing a functional registry that will give us proper information on the cancer burden in the near future. Speaking of the cancer burden, how is the infrastructure in Kenya about nuclear medicine, radiotherapy, how well is the country equipped? So I would say that the country has a limited capacity for cancer management. We have uh, 12 facilities uh, that provide uh, radiotherapy services. We still have about uh, three quarters of the population that are not really accessing what we call comprehensive services that includes radiotherapy and nuclear medicine. So still we are building that capacity step by step. The government has made significant investments in the last three years to expand capacity both for radiotherapy and for nuclear medicine. We have established a cyclotron at the Kenyatta University Teaching and Referral Hospital. And we are able to actually provide um, FDGs, these are the radionuclides, uh, for the entire region. The cyclotron and nuclear medicine facility at KU has served Kenyans and uh, many citizens from our neighboring countries in terms of providing PET scan services, PET CT services. What is a cyclotron and what are the FDGs? So the cyclotron facility is a unit where, which is constructed for purposes of producing the radionuclide, which is what we call FDG, that is injected to the patient so that when they go to a machine, which is we call the PET scan machine, the images are taken showing how the FDG is being distributed in the body. The IAEA's Rays of Hope initiative launched in 2022 is mainly targeting countries without any access to radiotherapy. How is that supporting you as Kenya? Through the Rays of Hope initiative, we have been informed by the IAEA that Kenya will actually benefit uh, with two linear accelerator machines. So we have already prepared two regional centers, that is Nakuru and Mombasa, which will benefit from this linear accelerator machines. And we're also working with the IAEA to see how they can support Kenya in terms of the human resources development, uh, because we have also a number of challenges in that area. We have very few specialized uh, oncology uh, personnel. It's an area we are working to improve. The two linear accelerators you mentioned, could you describe what exactly is a linear accelerator? It's actually a machine that uh, generates what we call electrons uh, that provide a beam that is used to treat tumors from a distance, what we call a radiotherapy or external beam radiotherapy. One of the important elements of the Rays of Hope initiative is the emphasis on sustainability. How would you make sure that the assistance you might be getting or you are getting is helping Kenya sustain its cancer control program? So in terms of sustainability, we have our policies and uh, our strategic plan in place. So we factored in the need for the infrastructure, the number of uh, human resources we need, funding we require for equipment, for commodities, for establishing information management, 
and so forth. So where do we go from now? Let's say in the next five to ten years. So in the next five years, actually, you've asked a very good question because currently as we speak, we are developing our third national cancer control strategy, which is going to run from 2023 to 2028. So it's a five-year strategy. And in that strategic plan, we've been very ambitious because we want to strengthen our national referral hospitals. And uh, alongside that, we are planning to expand services to construct and equip additional regional cancer centers, about five of them, so that they're able to provide radiotherapy services beyond Nairobi. Out of the 12 facilities in Kenya, eight of them are in the capital city. So really we need to go beyond the capital city um, because majority of Kenyans live outside uh, the capital city. So we need to establish decentralized care so that we can establish uh, this uh, comprehensive care in the regional centers. You're listening to Nuclear Explained. What does nuclear have to do in the fight against cancer? As you have heard, it plays a major role throughout the cancer control continuum. From detection and diagnosis to treatment, nuclear science saves lives. But there is a need to ensure the benefits of these life-saving tools are accessible to all. I asked Lisa, how could countries increase and improve cancer control programs? So I go back to the plan. A plan is not a medicine, a plan is not a treatment. However, a plan is a strategy. And in the process of developing this plan, it's often tasked to the Ministry of Health. But there are non-governmental organizations, other ministries, research entities, who all contribute to the development of this plan. And the process of understanding what are the priorities in the country, what are the top cancers, what are the available human and other resources that exist now, where does the country want to be in five or seven years, having that strategy is the best way to ensure that there will be equitable um, and available cancer care in a country. The IAEA has six decades of experience in helping countries fight cancer. And the IAEA is not alone in this demanding task. The Rays of Hope initiative unites public and private forces to maximize resources and to harness the power of atoms to save lives. Here's an interesting fact. The largest human-made source of radiation exposure is the medical field. Every year, about 4 billion diagnostic and therapeutic procedures are performed using nuclear radiation. Go to iaea.org podcasts for information and resources related to this episode and more. We also want to hear from you. Have a question, feedback, or interesting facts to share? Email us at nuclearexplained at iaea.org. And don't forget to subscribe to Nuclear Explained to learn more about the world of nuclear and how it impacts our daily lives. You can find us on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I'm Ayhan Evrensel. I'm Joanne Liu. Thanks for listening to Nuclear Explained, brought to you by the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency. You have been listening to Nuclear Explained.